You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Sometimes it's very hard to be a fan of the New Orleans Pelicans. Welcome into Crunch Time here on a Wednesday. You're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Just when you needed a victory. And for a while, it looked like you were going to get it. You were up 11 at the end of the first quarter. You were up 63 to 46 at halftime. (laughs) Yeah, boy. You had as big as a 20-point lead at one point. But yet... In the second half, you got outscored 74 to 46 <gasps> to lose the game 120 to 109. Bruh. What in the world did we witness last night? I mean, look. And, and we're going to dive deep into this game because, uh, again, it, w- it was a game that the Pelicans desperately needed to win because a win would have probably set them up to go on a nice little run here and maybe even avoid the play-in tournament altogether. But now, now you're going to have to fight to stay in the play-in tournament. <gasps> so... Not great if you're the New Orleans Pelicans today. Just just going to throw that out there. It's not great. And, and I'll get into my reasons as, as to why I, I think the Pelicans blew a 20-point lead here in just a moment. But let's go to the game hotline now. T, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Buck? Oh, I'm angry, T. I'm angry. Well, guess what? I'm angry too, man. You know... Uh... Zion's going to play when he wants to. And then uh, Mike Thomas is going to play when he wants to, or they both won't play, you know, but they still get a check. I don't understand that. I mean, I don't know that it's so much of a situation with Zion as he'll play when he wants to. I mean, I I, I think Zion wants to be on the floor. Um, it, It's just that, Right now, the Pelicans are are taking it very cautiously with him, uh, but but the Mike Thomas thing, you know that that just gets more and more interesting as time passes. Yeah. Well, how long has Zion been with the Pelicans? Uh, Three, four years. He was drafted in twenty nineteen. Okay. So that's four years. How many games has he played? I think total. You would know that. I think total he's played a little over 100. Far cry from uh, everybody else. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely not wrong. 
Okay. Well, look, enjoy y'all show, man. Keep it up. T, appreciate you as always. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at his his career with the Pelicans ever since getting drafted in 2019, he has played in 114 games. 114. In those 114 games, he averaged 32 minutes a night, 61% free thir- uh, 61% from the field, and 26 points per game to go along with seven rebounds. So his numbers are good when he's on the floor, but that's the biggest issue is that he can't stay on the floor. But I think when you look at the Pelicans as a whole, one of their biggest issues is they don't have a cold-blooded fourth-quarter killer. They don't have a Kobe Bryant. They don't have a Michael Jordan. They don't have a LeBron James that you or Kevin Durant that you know late in a game they're going to hit the big shot to seal the deal. The Pelicans don't have that. CJ McCollum's not that guy because his entire career he played second fiddle to Damian Lillard. CJ's not that guy. You hoped that when Brandon Ingram came to New Orleans, he would become that guy, and he's just not. He hasn't. Zion Williamson is absolutely not that guy. Who else? Trey Murphy hasn't shown it yet. Herb Jones hasn't shown it yet. Dyson Daniels doesn't see the floor enough to be able to show you that. And then I'll pose this question before I bring in my producer and co-host here. Who's going to play point guard for the Pelicans? Because it should not be C.J. McCollum. But I was brought up an interesting point today. There's somebody on the roster right now that could do it that barely sees the floor. Hello, James Mesh. How are you, sir? Hey, Matt. How you doing? I'm getting there. <laughs> getting I'm there. I'm getting there. You're surviving the day. Oh, uh, yeah. James, why doesn't Willie Green trust, trust Kyra Lewis Jr.? It's oh, a good question. I mean, we kind of pondered that when it came to Kyra not seeing it. Same thing with last year when you were like, well, you kind of put a good you, – you went pretty high with Trey Murphy getting him, and he didn't really see next to any time last year. But then all of a sudden he kind of saw it. This year, like he got a he got a huge bump in play, playing time. So I'm kind of, even though Kyra's been with the Pelicans for a few years, I'm just wondering if he's if he's just not the guy that they're looking for. At, I I just don't think he's a a starting quality point guard. But how do you know? You haven't seen him enough. You haven't seen him on the floor when it comes to a game itself, but like seeing him in practice. You, you can't judge somebody just off of practice. You just can't. You can't. It's completely different. In the last five games, you want to know the most minutes Kyra's played? 11. Not even a quarter. In the last five games, he's gone 11, 2, 4, 2, 7. 
the guy doesn't play. And I, I'm really not sure what Willie Green's decision-making behind that is. C.J. McCollum, not a point guard. He's not. He never has been. He is a off-ball wing that knocks down threes. That is his game. And I feel like the reason that C.J.'s three-point shooting has suffered in New Orleans is because he has he has had to completely revitalize his game. He's had to completely change the way he plays basketball. Why not just get a point guard? That's what I've wondered. Like, why not just have a traditional point guard? Which you kind of have that with Jose. But I but to me, Jose isn't necessarily a starting point guard Jose, either. Jose's not a starting point guard. Exactly. So if Jose's not, then I mean, even though we don't see a lot of Kyra, what makes we what makes us I mean, think Kyra is a starting point guard? I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that Kyra is a starting point guard, but you don't know unless you play him. He doesn't play enough for you to even make a judgment on him. But the point is, is that you've got two guys, whether it's Jose or Kyra, you've got two guys that are halfway capable of being traditional point guards. Why not see if it works? Or, or you know, this might be some off-the-wall thinking here. Free agency? The NBA draft? How about you go get one? How about you go get a point guard? I'm honestly starting to believe that everything else on the Pelicans roster is set. If you get a point guard, CJ can go play the two. Cool, you're set there. Brandon Ingram can play the three. Cool, you're set there. When Zion Williamson's healthy, he plays the four. Cool, you're set there. Jonas Valanciunas plays the five. Ding, ding, ding. You've got a roster. And then Najee Marshall, Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, those guys come off the bench. Man. And with how with how good Trey's been playing, it's like you moving him to the bench. I mean, what else do you do? If, if you don't play him, if you start him, you bench CJ. They play the same spot. CJ McCollum's not a point guard. He's not. And the fact that you were trying to make him one is only hurting his career. And if you're just going to... You couldn't just move Trey to the three? And then you just have... Because here's the thing. I know you, you just aren't open to Zion being traded. but You can't trade Zion. You can't. I mean, they're not going to, but I would see, I would see about trading him. You can't. No one's going to take him. No one will take him. The, the same argument that you make about Michael Thomas not being tradable, mm-hmm. same thing with Zion Williamson. The way he's been injured the last couple of, nobody's taking him. Even if he is the number one overall pick, top ta- nobody's taking him. Because before he got hurt, Michael Thomas was a top three wide receiver in the NFL, yes? Yeah. Okay, so a top talent. Mm-hmm. And now that he's gotten hurt, nobody wants him. It's the same thing with Zion. You can't trade him. Because here's the thing. 
not only are you going to get a guy that's not healthy, you got to absorb that contract too. And the Pelicans aren't just going to give him away for nothing. So if I'm an NBA organization, I'm not going to give up the capital that it's going to take to get Zion. I'm not going to pay him what he's getting paid by the Pelicans and then for him to just sit at the end of the bench. The Pelicans have to play the long game and hope that Zion finds a way to get healthy consistently. Otherwise, they're stuck. And that's a terribly unfortunate situation, but it is what it is. You're not trading Zion Williamson. Now, if you want to talk about somebody that you can trade, I'm not in agreement with this. So are you moving on from like are you gonna move on from Trey? You can trade Brandon Ingram. I'm not in agreement of that move, but you want to talk about a tradable piece, Brandon Ingram. Or, I mean, look, Trey Murphy. I'd, I'd, I would hate to see that happen, but the Pelicans have to get a traditional point guard. And if the CJ experiment hasn't worked, okay, then the CJ experiment hasn't worked. Trade him. But something's got to give. And Zion getting rid of Zion Williamson is just not the answer. It's not. That's not going to fix your problems. It just won't. But, again, Pelicans fall to the Warriors last night, 120-109. to 109. They're back on the court tomorrow night against the top-ranked Denver Nuggets. Yikes. That's all I'm going to say. Three-guest show today. Jim Gazzolo is going to join us here right after this timeout to talk McNeese. Cokie Riley will join us at 4.30 to talk LSU Pro Day. And then Brendan Ertle joins us for Who Dat Wednesday here in our number two. Don't go anywhere. Crunch Time is back right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to see the defending World Series champs in person, then you are in luck because the because the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our first Astros weekend getaway of the season. Houston takes on the Texas Rangers on Saturday, April 15th, and you can be there by registering in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com for four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on the game. 420 on your hump day. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, give us a call on the game hotline 337-706-0111 and check out our simulcast here in Acadiana on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Let's talk about something that's going slightly better than the New Orleans Pelicans, and that is McNeese Diamond Sports Baseball, currently 17-8 and on the season, 1-2 and in Southland Conference play. After dropping two out of three to Nichols to open conference play, they got a big win last night over Southern, 12-5. to 
Jim Gazzolo, our good friend from the Lake Charles American Press, joins us here on the game hotline. Jimmy G, what's going on, sir? How are you? Not much. I'm doing well. It's uh, lovely here in the Chuck. A little cool, but it's all right. Isn't it always lovely in the Chuck? No, not at all. Not always. <laughs> rarely, in fact. Rarely. So let's talk about this baseball team winning 12-5 to last night against Southern. You know, Justin Hill's group, a little bit of up and down start to the season, uh, sitting at 17-8. and So far, 25 games in. Just kind of talk about last night's game and, you know, the, the performance by, by the Cowboys to pick up a big one. Well, I think it was like everything else. They got the, they have beaten teams they should beat. Uh, the big question is, can they beat the good teams? That's still not known yet. Uh, but last night was about typical of what you would expect. They got uh, 14 hits. They collected 10 walks. Uh, Southern made a few errors. Strange thing was their pitching wasn't all that great. And Southern scored five runs, two on back-to-back blocks, which I've never seen before, and another three without a hit. So <laughs> there's some cleanup to be done still. Now, you know, you talked about pitching. Was was the plan for Justin Hill to have a Johnny Holstaff night last night? I mean, seven pitchers went for the Cowboys. Yeah, he wanted to uh, start Derek Cherry, who's their Saturday starter, because he didn't get a lot of work on Saturday. Um, so they gave him an inning, and then the plan was to really go seven or eight guys, and that's what he did. So that was expected. He wanted to, he wanted to see. He's trying to get figure out his bullpen, and he's trying to get bridge gaps from the starters to the closer, Ty Abraham or Christian Vega. He's got to find some bridge guys for middle innings. That seems to be their big lacking, and that's what he's looking for last night. Talk about Josh Leslie with the the start that he's had to this year. I mean, batting three forty with fourteen doubles, five homers, and thirty six RBIs so far on the season. Yeah, and moving from sh- uh, third base to shortstop, uh, which they didn't think he would. They, they didn't really anticipate him to be the full time shortstop. They just put him there, and he never lost the job. Uh, he was he, he was last year's uh, first team ball third baseman really gets every big hit. And that's kind of the issue with them is he's driving it all the runs. Uh, the lineup isn't extended yet. But he, just like last night, uh, comes up with two outs, doubles down the line. Uh, comes up another time with two outs, singles the right center field, driving it runs. He drives it runs, he gets big hits. Um, and I always like to say he's more impressive because of when he gets his hits, not how many hits he gets. Now, you know, on the opposite end of that question, are you are you a little surprised with the kind of sluggish start that, that Peyton Harden's had? I mean, conference player of the year last year, only batting two fifty seven with twelve RBIs so far this year. Yeah, we saw it last year too. Uh almost exactly the same thing, although he started picking it up by now. Doesn't like the colder weather, it seems. Um but yeah, he he's pulling off the ball a little bit. He did have a couple of hits on the weekend that were big, but for the most part, he's still running well, still playing good defense, but he's not been consistent. He's been moved out of the order to about six, where he used to bat leadoff or second. So um, I, I think once he gets hot, he'll move back up. But, yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that have been the problem is the bottom of the order hasn't been extended. It hasn't been consistent, and he's now become part of that. It just hasn't been what we expected. We had 340, 345 last year. 
Chatting with Jim Gazzolo here on a Wednesday edition of Crunch Time. Looking at the pitching for the Cowboys, Grant Rogers having another great year with a 1.29 ERA, 6-0 and so far on the season. Just kind of talk about what's been working for him to, to really have a strong start to the season. Yeah, he throws strikes. Uh, the biggest thing he does is he throws strikes. He's not overpowering. Uh, lat, the other night it was 13 straight ground balls at one time. Um, keeps the ball in the ballpark, which is really big because uh, Cowboys Stadium, they can play two ways. Joe Miller Ballpark can play big when the wind's blowing in, but it can play really small when the wind is blowing out. So I think the uh, key to that is he throws the ball, keeps it low, and he throws really quick. He pitches uh, roughly in about every four or five seconds once he gets the, the signal. So when he gets on the rubber, he pitches in three or four seconds. It's really amazing to watch. His games have been an hour and 45, an hour and 59. Uh, I think three of them, three of the six, have been under two hours. That's that's insane. Under that's two hours. On a Friday night. For, a, for, a, for a nine-inning baseball game? Yep. That's insane. So flipping over to, to the softball side of things, they're coming off of a, a big weekend sweep with two mercy rules against Texas A&M Commerce. Tonight they've got a good battle in Huntsville against Sam Houston. What are, you, what are your thoughts on James Landrino's squad against the Bearcats? Well, about where I, I thought it would be, actually. Uh, they're 6-0 and in the conference. Um, tonight the Bearcats have played a really tough schedule by comparison. So their record doesn't look as good. So it'll be interesting to see how McNeese does on the road. But I think the main thing for them is pitching, pitching, pitching. They did not allow a run in three games against Commerce. Now, Commerce only has five wins. So let's not go crazy on that. But they did what they needed to do. They've beaten up on the two, probably the two worst teams in the league to go to 6-0, and which gives them some buffer for the conference or any of a two-game lead. I think that's important that you don't go with the 2 and one against these teams, that you, you sweep them when you get your chance. Uh, but I think that the pitching, he said the other day, James said the other day, he has more depth than he's ever had. And that's always been the case with McNeese when they would get to a regional or in the tournament. They could win the first game with, with their ace, but getting deep into tournaments without a number two or a number three they could throw was always the issue. He thinks he's got that this year. And also they've gotten a lot of uh, offense from places they didn't think they would get. Bouvier at third base has been big. So I think they've gotten some surprises, but more importantly, they've gotten consistent pitching. And they yeah. do the same thing. They throw strikes. You know, you talked about the offense coming from, from different areas. How about five players hitting over 300 so far this season? Yeah, they'll, and they'll run you to death, too. They take advantage of situations. Um, they have a little bit of power, but not a lot. But they're going to double you. But they're going to they're take the extra base. Uh, they're going to steal bases. But, yeah, they have – they have consistency at the top of their lineup to where they're turning it over quite a bit. They're getting a lot of runners on base. All right, Jim, McNeese Coaches Show tonight. What you got lined up? Uh, we got Todd Butler, who is an assistant uh, athletic director at McNeese. He's going to talk about what uh, some of the things Will Wade has brought financially to the school, but also he's a former baseball coach at uh, McNeese back in the day. He's going to tell us some funny stories about when uh, times he got thrown out and had to watch the games for the uh, – press box at the track so uh, Mr. Butler's a funny guy so we should have some fun with it yeah Will Wade's getting a ton of transfers already what's up with that he's losing them which was expected but he's getting them and uh, he's gotten the four guards uh, we're still waiting he still promises me that bigs are coming Um, but what he's really done is 
Uh, he has sold this place. Uh, somebody just bought dinner with Will Wade at an auction for $60,000 for the uh, Athletic Foundation. So if you want to have dinner with Will Wade, it costs you sixty grand in Lake Charles. Now, the, the, the big question, and this will be the last one before we let you go, Jim, is is, is he going to be able to retain Christian Shoemate? No, Shoemate's already in the portal. Okay. Uh, he's one of four. I, based on talking to Will Wade, honestly, I don't think Christian Shoemate was the type of four he likes. Um, Christian is a down low, kind of a one-dimensional player, very good. Um, but I think he likes somebody that's a little more versatile. And I think what we're seeing is that they've lost four guys in the portal. I think they're going to lose more, but they've gained four guys. So I, I think that you're going to see, like everywhere else, you're going to see a major flip in the roster. Jim Gazzolo of the Lake Charles American Press and the host of the McNeese Coaches Show joins us here on Crunch Time. Jim, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the Coaches Show tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. All right, we'll talk to you later. And there he goes, Jim Gazzolo, a.k.a. Jimmy G from LC. We'll take a time out here on the game. Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser joins us next. Jarek Bernard Converse ran a 4-4. 40 today? We'll talk about that next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. You just got to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB and sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. I'm going to take the Astros to win the AL West, Christian Javier to have over 199.5 total strikeouts on the season, and then Aaron Judge to be the home run leader. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just got to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. You must be 21 and older, present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 deposit required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 435, almost 436. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on the game. LSU held its pro day today for football, and there were two defensive backs in Baton Rouge that really stood out plus a handful of others. Koki Riley from the Daily Advertiser was there. He's here to give us all the info, plus recap LSU baseball's huge win over Grambling last night in shortened fashion. Koki, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing really well. Thanks for having me on again. So let's start with LSU Pro Day, and the the first name I'm going to spit out at you is, is Jarg Bernard Converse. Uh, a, a guy that spent most of the year battling injuries, and and when he played, you know his stats and his tape really just didn't jump off the page at you. And, and then so he didn't get invited to Indianapolis, but then shows up at pro day today and goes absolutely insane. Yeah, he uh, he he was just a lot more athletic and a lot more jumpy, especially. 
um, than I think a lot of people expected. I think uh, his, his vertical 42 inches would have would, would have been tied for first among all the corners of the combine. So that's extremely impressive. And then his his 40 time was um, extremely competitive with some of the top 40 times among all corners at the combine. So yeah, he just showed a lot more explosiveness and a lot more athleticism than I think a lot of people expected. A lot of scouts expected, but. You know, this guy can play. Like, it's, it's this is a little bit different than the John Trey Kirkland situation last season when we already knew he was a very, really good athlete and he showed out his athleticism at um, LC's Pro Day, but um, he wasn't really a starter. And Jarek, of course, was a starter this past year and was, and was just a very solid veteran player for years at Oklahoma State and then uh, this past year at LSU. Yeah, a 42-inch vertical, which was tied for first, like you mentioned. A 4.28 shuttle run, good for third. 16 bench reps, good for third. A 7-second three-cone, which was good for fourth. And then a 4.440, which was good for sixth among corners at the Combine. Now, with those numbers, is the only reason that he didn't get invited to the Combine was that he kind of struggled this past year for LSU? Um, I don't have a great reasoning to be honest. Um, I I don't know if he really. I don't think he really struggled. I wouldn't say he struggled this year for LSU. I think he was probably just a solid kind of unspectacular guy. And I think one one of the reasons is probably you know veteran guy who doesn't really pop on the tape in terms of his athleticism. I think those were. I think that was sort of the reason. You know, um, so yeah. I mean, other than that, I don't really have. I, I don't have a great explanation for you. To be honest, I was a little bit surprised that he didn't get um, invited to the combine in the first place. But again, um, I, I mean, fifth-year guys, I mean, you kind of have to pop on, pop off the tape in some sort of way in order to get invited to the combine sometimes. And he, he just didn't really have that pop of athleticism until he showed it today. Now, the the other DB that I want to get to is Jay Ward, which is, you know, you look at Jay Ward, and he's a guy that I've thought has kind of been undervalued in this NFL draft, he had a great pro day as well. Uh, what, what stood out to you about Jay's performance? Yeah, yeah, he had a very solid pro day. Um, you look at a guy like Jay Ward; he's he's uh, he's got some length, he has some versatility. Of, co- of course, he can play the slot, he can play some outside corner. Um, it'll be interesting to see, like, can he sort of avoid that tweener status um, and you know really it, it become like a true versatile player. Or is he going to be a uh, you know a master of none sort of guy, which is exactly what you don't want. So it's going to be interesting what he looks like um, uh, moving forward into the NFL. Chat with Cookie Riley from the Daily Advertiser. How was Kayshawn Booty today? I mean, I know a lot of eyes were probably on him after, you know, for for lack of better words, he didn't perform well in Indianapolis. Um, you know how how did he look today? I know he only did. Uh, position drills. What what stood out about his day? Yeah, the only um, the only real the only drill he did was the three cone drill outside of the position drills, of course. Um, so it was a little bit surprising to see him not try to improve his forty time that he had at the combine. Um, but I, I think during position drills, I think he you know he looked solid. Um, nothing overly spectacular um, about it. I don't think he did anything that would have that would. Uh, drastically improve his stock, but I don't think he really did much that would drastically uh, decrease his stock either. So it was kind of a treading water sort of day for him. At least that's what it felt like um, being there. And then you know we talk about baseball getting a, a you know a, a, a run rule victory over Grambling last night. 
which was which was widely expected. Seventeen to five in seven innings. This was a good opportunity for LSU to get a lot of guys just a little bit of playing time. Um, you know, what were your what were your thoughts on the contest? Yeah, um, just exactly what you said. Just another opportunity to use some more guys to, especially use some more arms, you know, start a guy like Christian Little, for example, throw a guy like Micah Bucknam in the final inning, um, uh, and, and then also rotate guys in, you know, in and out of the order quite a bit and, um, just get them play some fresh, fresh faces. Like that, that's what kind of these midweek games are for a little bit, you know, it's, you know, to keep the veteran guys and the, the everyday stars a little bit fresher, and to you know have some rotation in in um, in your order and whatnot. You know, some innings for some of your younger guys. You know, Micah Bucknam is, although I just mentioned, is a kind of a perfect example of that. Like he he has not thrown in um, any in any SEC game yet, so you you want to keep a guy like that uh, out there fresh in a way, right? Just to keep them on their toes, so. Um, that's sort of the purpose of these things, and I don't think it, you, you can't really take much away from it in terms of a pure performance standpoint, just given how much more talented they are than Grambling. And I think you could probably uh, say the same for a lot of the non-conference games that LSU played in this season. Um, but, of course, that's going to change even more so uh, with Tennessee coming up this weekend. Yeah, you know, that was going to be my next question. The Volunteers coming into Baton Rouge ranked 11 in the country um, and, and on a pretty solid streak of the last couple of weeks you know what stands out about the Vols obviously you know Tony Vitello had a great season with the Vols last year um would love if they moved their pitching rotation around so that you could get Paul Skeens and Chase Dolander tomorrow night yeah yeah um it's gonna be really fascinating to see you know how this how this matchup um turns out I mean like even if Dolander doesn't pitch um tomorrow I mean you could see uh, just, I mean, a whole array of guys. I mean, Chase Burns, mm-hmm. Drew Beam, like they're also excellent pitchers. So it's not like LSU's. It's not like Paul Skeens is going up against a scrub, even if it is a Dollander, right? And Dollander, even him, Dollander himself has struggled a little bit this season as well. So he hasn't been perfect. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really fascinating matchup. It's going to be a really good test for LSU. Um, I'm, it's, it's just. I, I don't think they're quite as good of a hitting team as Arkansas was, but I think their pitching is much better, especially out of the bullpen. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup for LSU and uh, another test for them uh, as they try to, you know, maintain their number one spot. And I, I just think on paper that this is the best team. LSU is the best team in the country, and they just need to keep on proving that. And uh, I think so far, for the most part, they have. You know, I might be putting you on the spot here a little bit, Koki, but. Looking at LSU from a hitting perspective, who's maybe surprised you the most? Because, you know, you look at a guy like Dylan Cruz, probably not surprised by the fact that he's hitting 542 so far. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, is, is it Jared Jones? Is it maybe Trey Morgan? Who stands out to you so far? Oh, this is a pretty good question. Um, I, 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 will, I will say, though, I want to push back on your statement a little bit like, I, I didn't expect him to be hitting 542 and have a 254 weighted runs created plus 256 weighted runs created plus. Like that's like that's some crazy talk right there. Like like players don't do that really at any level. So what Cruz has been doing this season can't be understated, and, and it is surprising because no one else has done it really, <laughs> at least in uh, recent memory with LSU baseball. But that dominant at the plate um, and that good. 
Uh, in terms of surprise, I think Cade Beloso has been a bit, a little bit of a surprise, just how good he's been, um, sort of in a uh, bench role. Uh, he, he's getting a lot more starts recently. Um, he, so he's been, I guess, a, kind of a minor, a, a bit of a surprise uh, as, as a contributor from the left side at first base. Um, I think Brady Neal getting as much time as he's getting behind the plate has been a bit of a surprise. I think he hasn't been a fantastic hitter, so I don't think that exactly answers the question. But um, at the same time, like he's been, he, he's he's kind of been the starter at catcher and I thought there would be more rotation there. So, uh, and that, I guess that's been a bit of a surprise. So yeah, in terms of like most surprising hitter, it's hard to pick one because I think a lot of the guys have, have kind of played up their standards. Like Jordan Thompson's been solid. Uh, Trey Morgan's been pretty good at the plate. Uh, I really go down the line like Jared Jones. We knew he had this power um, and he's had his ups and downs. It's not like he's been perfect, which is kind of what you expect from a freshman. Same goes with Paxton Kling. Uh, similar, I should say, and Josh Pearson's finally sort of turned it around recently. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say there's any major surprises, to be honest with you. Um, but, but I do think Cape Beloso sort of like uh, hitting as well as he has, um, despite the limited time he's had. But that's been a little bit of a surprise for me, I guess. The fact that Tommy White has 42 RBIs, 25 games in, well, technically 22 games in, because he missed some time with that with that shoulder issue. Uh, 42 mm. RBIs is just disgusting. Yeah, no, he's been he's been lights out with runners on, and um, I mean he already has two grand slams, so it's definitely helped that number quite a bit. Uh, he hasn't had a ton of home runs. He hasn't had quite as many homers as I thought he would have at this point. But part of it's because of the injury. Part of it's because he had a couple he had a couple of games he needed to sort of get used to, you know, getting back after the injury. So it, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can match or even beat his 27 home runs he had last season. But um, yeah, he is he is as advertised though because when he gets a hold of a ball, it is a it is a sight to behold, and he's done that more often than not this season. MLB opening day tomorrow. Now I, I know you're from Boston. Are you a Red Sox mm-hmm. fan? Yes. Uh, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, for, we'll forgive you. Um, <laughs> what, what what kind of season are you expecting for the Red Sox? Um, I'm not terribly excited just because I, I think this rotation is made out of brittle. A lot of injured guys already on this team, and that's even before Chris Sale or Corey Kluber has, you know, ha- have gotten hurt. Um, uh, have they, they haven't been hurt yet, but they, there's just a history there. Obviously, um, the bullpen's pretty old, but even if it is a little bit better than last season, and and I look at this lineup, it's 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 a, just a pretty middling order for the most part, especially with Trevor Story on the men. So a lot of injury-prone players, and there's some ceiling with this team, but I'm not terribly optimistic that they're going to reach it. A lot would, right would have to happen for them to be like a real playoff team this year. Koki, appreciate your time as always. Um, Friday's going to be a little bit of a busy day for you uh, between women's basketball and and baseball. I know, I know Corey Diaz is going to handle women's basketball for the most part, but I know you have a, a rooting interest, if you will. So uh, try, try to keep your head on straight this weekend, all right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of sports to watch. Thanks so much for having me on. And there he goes. Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser. LSU has announced that although it has been asked for, unless there is a weather issue, LSU's baseball game will remain at 6 p.m. It is not being moved to accommodate the LSU women's Final Four game. Uh, So 
Unless there's a weather issue, they will play at the same time on Friday evening. We'll take a time out here and wrap up hour number one from the Evco Development Studios right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you the chance to win everything you need with the game's ultimate crawfish bowl giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Register in the Game Rewards Club to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers and chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we'll even throw in a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com for the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up. at a goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we're wrapping up our number one here in the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. We do have a poll question of the day. However, it's not going to be on Twitter or Facebook. You can still go to Facebook and you can go to Twitter to get to the link. But we're now going to be doing it on YouTube, which if you haven't yet, you should go and subscribe. You get to see a lot of our shenanigans and you even get to see Matt's new segment, Over Par. Oh, yeah. Woohoo. Gee, all you got to do is stay for the intro. Honestly, plenty of entertainment enough. You just need those 15 seconds. You can click off after that. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> no, it was good stuff, but that in that intro, that montage that Aaron came up with, that was phenomenal. Well, honestly, I think that's peak Miguez right there. Well, that's just because Aaron is, is so is so good at his job. He's talented. He, Mr. Mr. Employee of the That's month. what I'm saying. I mean, he deserves it. Um the the guy's just special. So, he makes me look good uh, more more times more times than not, uh which which I appreciate because that's a struggle sometimes. Oh. <laughs> coming here first that's that's a struggle sometimes um, no but with the poll question of the day it's wednesday so we're doing foodie and since opening day for the mlb is tomorrow yeah it is when you're going to the ballpark what's the concession that you're going to first you're going with a hot dog you're going with some peanuts you know classic you're going with some nachos maybe some popcorn cotton candy that's a that's another one that we didn't have as an option but that's one you could go with so if I have to pick something on this list, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to say nachos. Ooh, the chos. Just because it's more food, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of corn chips. Like, it, it's going to be it's gonna be more food than a hot dog, typically. You're going to get more for your money with nachos than you will with a hot dog. That's fair. It also depends on how much cheese they're willing to give you. I mean, yeah, that that, that is a big factor. Because um, you could get 80% cause I chips like- and because 20% cheese because I like my chips soggy like almost to the point where you got to eat them with a fork kind of soggy that's that's the way to eat nachos but you're a freakazoid my go-to item at really any sporting event <laughs> this is gonna sound so childish chicken tenders dude 
You are a five-year-old at heart. Chicken tenders. I can tell. Just give me, just give me one of those big boats with like four or five chicken tenders and a bed of fries under it, and I am golden, golden. Because I'm gonna eat that, and then I'm gonna turn around and either go get cotton candy or Dippin' Dots. <laughs> and I'm a set man. I'm done. I'm good. I don't need anything else in my life. But I will say this. Went to a Los Angeles Dodgers game when I was in high school. You know, you hear the stories all the time. Oh, you got to get a Dodger dog. You got to get a Dodger dog. The world famous Dodger dog. It's kind of like an In-N-Out burger. Dude, it's a hot dog. There was nothing special about it. I paid $12 for a hot dog. And it was the same hot dog I could buy at Sonic. What's so special about the water? Like there, there was nothing special about this hot dog. <laughs> now, In-N-Out Burger is a different story. That is deliciousness. Is it worth the hype? Are you saying? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because let me tell you something. Everybody's like, oh, it's only good in California. Eh, that's not necessarily true. I've been to one in California. I've been to one in Dallas, and I've been to one in Houston. And they all taste the same, and it's all damn good. You know what we should do? Another Miguez versus Mesh challenge. Should we have an eating contest? Well, no, it's a oh. d- uh, do another blind test. Oh, like but fast food burgers? Five fast food burgers. Ooh, I might actually win that one. <laughs> After you claim you were the soda connoisseur. I mean, dude, I don't, I don't know what was going on with me that day, but... I, I should have won that challenge anyways. Uh-huh. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We're going to talk Astros and hear from Brendan Ertle for Who Dat Wednesday right here on The Game, your home for the LSU Tigers and those World Series champion Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, give us a call on The Game hotline, 337-706-0111. Broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. James, let's get to a couple of top stories here uh, that we really didn't get to go over in our number one. Let's start with the NFL. The Carolina Panthers have, uh, according to a report, the Carolina Panthers have narrowed it down to two quarterbacks that they could be taking at number one. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Really? I know. It's a shocker. Honestly, I don't know what to do with this information because I already knew it. <laughs> but according to Panthers coach Frank Reich... Is he, try, is he trying to diverge it and trying to be like, well, I don't know. We, we're looking at Will Levis. We're looking at Anthony Richardson. He does not view Bryce Young's height... As, an As a legitimate concern. I mean, I don't think he should. I don't think so either. Is he as athletic as a Kyler Murray? No. Nobody's close. No, he's pretty close. That's and not, I mean, it's not well, super far off. I mean, what have we seen on the field when he's played against the best of the best? The guy wins. 
the guy wins. Like, the kid makes plays. Kid makes winning plays. Now, who do I think has a better pro career? I think it's C.J. Stroud. I'd probably go Stroud. I think it's C.J. Stroud. But would Bryce Young be a bad choice? God, no. Mm -mm. Especially for Carolina, because who who, who are you going to start? Sam Darnold? I think either of these guys would be better options than what they've had the last few years. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. I don't. I don't think. I don't I'm think there's. Back. And I'm going again. Right. Right. Like, all right, Cam. Oh, oh, Cam. There's. There's not 32 oh. quarterbacks better than me. Okay. okay. Sure. Sure. Sure, buddy. Think that. Staying on the topic of NFL quarterbacks, how about Lamar Jackson? This is such a such a good soap opera. So now, of a former NFL star, is saying that Patrick Mahomes' quarterback contract has ruined all leverage for Lamar Jackson. The NFL star is Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. Richard Sherman has said that he blames players like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen for Lamar having contract issues. And he says... You know, when Kirk Cousins got his guaranteed deal, I thought all the quarterbacks from then on would be, hey, if it's not guaranteed, I'm not taking it. Mm -hmm. Then Mahomes took that, quote, BS deal just 10 years and wanted it to look like half a billion. But if you only get half of that guaranteed, everybody's happier. And what that did was that set a precedent. So now that Lamar is asking for a fully guaranteed deal, it's a problem, is what Richard Sherman's saying. Because Patrick Mahomes set the precedent with this god-awful yearly salary number when really only half of it's guaranteed. Here, here's, and again, I, I know you can't help with this sometimes, but here's just a magical idea. Maybe if you played 17 games a year, you could just get paid. There's a thought. And I don't, I don't disagree with what Richard's saying, and I don't agree. I don't disagree with what you're saying either. But I find it interesting that you're putting the blame on Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes' contract. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. When Kirk Cousins has now had two fully guaranteed contracts, Correct. and Deshaun Watson just signed an even crazier fully which, guaranteed contract. Which let's open last that. Season. Let's open that can of worms for a second. Because I know he only played in five games last year, or six games. Yeah, because he was suspended the other 11. But he wasn't great. No, he definitely, that time that he had back on the field, you could tell he'd been off for, for two years. And you know, So it was definitely a, let's get your feet back under you kind of time. And, and you know, we, we love to laugh at the Cleveland Browns. But let's say that those two years off for Deshaun Watson kind of ruined him. Let's say he never returns to the guy that he was. Okay. Do the Browns look stupid for signing him to a fully guaranteed $240 million deal? I mean, a lot of people were kind of looking at it before he even stepped on the field. They were saying that was a stupid deal. So I, because, think, you're, I think you're already on track for that. Because, yeah, I mean, if he, if he never returns to form, what are you paying the guy for then? To, to make you a halfway average team and, you know, your, your, your goal is to hit 500? To go 8-9 and, nine and miss the playoffs? 
We, we pay a guy $47 million a year to do that? Wow. <laughs> where, where do I get that job? That's easy. I mean, and look, I, I get from the player's standpoint that you want the contract well, of course, if, fully if, guaranteed. If the team is going to be that dumb and offer that to you, of course you're going to take it. It's not your fault. It's the organization's fault. But why does... Why is it becoming that the fully guaranteed contract is the end-all, be-all? Like, why is Lamar Jackson not returning to the Ravens? Uh, and obviously, we don't know the whole story. But the way it's been painted is the fact that he's not returning to Baltimore because they can't agree on a contract. Why is a fully guaranteed contract the holdup? Like, if you're Lamar, why can't you take a similar deal to what Mahomes took? You're still going to make a crap ton of money. I mean, are you really going to complain about a quarter of a billion dollars? Why not take an eight-year, $400 million deal with $200 million of it guaranteed? Is it really that much different than signing a fully guaranteed $200 million deal? At the end of the day, you're still making $200 million. And a team like Baltimore is probably more inclined to sign something that doesn't say the words fully guaranteed. I'm wondering if it's like if you want to sign me to a long-term extension, like four, five, six, seven years. It's like, well, if I'm going to do that because maybe I don't necessarily want to be in your organization, well, then you better pay me pretty much fully guaranteed or fully guaranteed like we had just seen with Deshaun Watson. Because let's be honest, I'm better than Deshaun at this point in my career compared to his and his career. So it's either if I'm going to sign a long-term deal, I want it to be fully guaranteed. Now, if it's going to only be like a two, three-year extension, then I'd be more willing to have it not be fully guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, I I get that. I I just I I don't know. I I just find it so interesting that these guys are so hung up on the the fully guaranteed idea. Yeah, you've you've seen three fully guaranteed contracts now, well, like two of them, but one of them was an extension that still made it fully guaranteed. So you you've seen it a couple times, and whenever you see one guy do it. It kind of resets the market to almost be that type of ideology. Correct. And the owners at that point, they're like, we've got two idiots who already did that. Let's let's not do this again. Let's not have a three strikes and we're out type of deal where, oh, God, now we're doing it for every quarterback. Let's not put ourselves in our own cap hell and every single one of them is have every single GM and owner is having to do the same thing where, oh, I mean, you're mid. You're a mid quarterback. But we still got to pay you fully guaranteed because every other quarterback's getting fully guaranteed contracts in the league. It, it's like, oh, okay, well, it's a two, it's a three-year deal, but it's going to be seventy million, and all seventy million is guaranteed. Yeah, like that—that's that's what they're trying to avoid because they've already seen two quarterbacks do it with Kirk Cousins and Deshaun Watson. It's like, well, Lamar's better than that. So if Lamar actually does get the fully guaranteed deal, well, then you're really screwed. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that's that's why I just I have a feeling that that Baltimore is only shooting themselves in the foot by by not 
giving Lamar what he wants. Mm, I wouldn't necessarily say so. Really? Maybe in the long term. But for right now, I mean, you've already got him to sign that franchise tag. So if somebody else goes to get him, they're getting a lot of compensation back for him. It's not going to be Lamar Jackson, but that's but that's you get a, you get a heap you get a heaping dose of a lot of draft compensation but back. So, but that's the thing. It's not Lamar Jackson. No, it's not Lamar Jackson. But are you going to lose either way? You either have Lamar Jackson or you have a bunch of draft capital and other stuff to make up for it. That way, you have more opportunities to try and get another franchise QB in the coming drafts to put yourself right back in contention because you still got solid pieces on offense and you still have a pretty good defense. Still pretty good and one of the better coaches in the league. So it's like if you can get another one of those guys that's really talented at under center and then you have them on another cheap deal like you had with Lamar for the longest time, yeah, I think you'd be pretty solid. I don't think the Ravens really lose either situation unless they absolutely screw up the drafts, which I can't really see them doing. I would just rather have Lamar, but that's just me. That's just me. But no, you know, one one other thing that I wanted to get to in this beginning of hour number two before we take our first time out, CBS Sports, their MLB staff has released their predictions for the 2023 season division winners, the playoff field, and the World Series champions. Three of their six have the Yankees winning their division, with the Blue Jays being the pick from the other three. And then you look at the American League West, across the board, they have the Houston Astros winning the division. Uh, all, All six analysts picked the Astros to win the division. And then you get to the NL West, all six picked the Padres to to win the division there. And then you get to the playoffs. And this is where it, it gets kind of interesting. Four of the six writers pick the Astros to represent the American League in the World Series. One of them picked the Blue Jays. And his explanation is kind of comical. I think the Astros are the best team in the American League, but I'm honestly bored of picking them to go to the World Series every year, so I'm going to pick Toronto. He's picking the Blue Jays because the Astros have been too good. Sounds like voters fatigue with MVP in the in the NBA. <laughs> like, oh, oh we're, we're tired of giving oh, it to this, oh, this oh, one darn. guy. Oh, darn. Nikola Jokic again? Uh, I'm voting. I'm voting for Luca. Uh, I just, like, just need someone else. Just pick someone else, dude. So, like I said, four of the six have the Astros representing the American League, yet none of them picked the Astros to win the World Series. Look, I know that the San Diego Padres have a really good roster right now, and I'm not disagreeing with that whatsoever. But this is the Padres. They're just like the Angels. They're just like the Yankees. They're just like the Red Sox. They can have a great roster, and they can have a great regular season, and the conversation's going to be, oh, man, slam Diego. They're so good. We love the Padres. Manny Machado. 
and then they're going to lose to the Dodgers in the ALDS. Or hell, this year they might lose to the Angels. I don't know. The Padres are going to find a way to blow it, just like the Angels, Yankees, Red Sox, the Mets, all of them do, year after year. Look, I'm not being a homer when I say this, but until anybody slows them down, I'm picking the Houston Astros every year. Until somebody slows them down and proves to me that they can't win the World Series year in and year out, then I'm I'm not doing it. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time, and when we return, we will look more at MLB opening day. We've got some pitching matchups ranked, including Jacob deGrom against Aaron Nola. We'll do that next here on Crunch Time. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is your home for the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Mr. Bill's Seafood Express, Southwest Beverage Company, Line of Bed out of Westlake, and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Tune in tonight at 6 as host Jim Gazzolo will be talking with McNeese Senior Associate Athletic Director Todd Butler. And you can hear it all right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the McNeese Coaches Show. Welcome back to Crunch Time 521. Here on your Wednesday, broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, give us a call on the game hotline 337-706-0111. And as a reminder here in Acadiana, you can check us out on our simulcast by going to Stadium 32.3 or Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Opening day is tomorrow in the MLB. Should probably be a national holiday, but it's not. So, you know, that's fine. But what I want to get to now is looking at some of the pitching matchups going down tomorrow because more times than not, what you'll see is teams will go with their best guy. On opening day, uh, unless you just have an absolute stacked pitching rotation, you're going to go with your ace on opening day. Um, so, looking at some of the big matchups, how about the Mets versus the Marlins tomorrow? Max Scherzer going against Sandy Alcantara. I mean, Max Scherzer, you could you could say is probably one of the best right-handers of this generation of MLB baseball, and then. Alcantara is the reigning NL Cy Young winner and probably one of the best right-handers in the game right now. Um, So, huge matchup there. And then, looking at the White Sox and the Astros, the White Sox are going to go with Dylan Cease while the Astros are going to go with Framber Valdez. Framber may very well end up being a Cy Young winner this year. Um, if he has the year that that he had last year, I mean, and then Dylan Cease was the Cy Young runner-up 
uh, a year ago with a 2.20 ERA and 227 strikeouts on the season. But to me, probably the most intriguing is going to be the Phillies versus the Rangers when Aaron Nola faces off against Jacob DeGrom. That's a dirty matchup. I mean, you look at this one. DeGrom's going to be making his first start on opening day after he just signed a five-year, $185 million contract with the Rangers. And then, you know, I mean, Aaron Nola is, has been a factor for the Phillies for his entire career. Um, he, he rarely misses a start, and right now he feels like he's got something to prove after he and the Phillies couldn't come up with a contract extension uh, th- this past offseason. So that's going to be a, a great battle as well, looking at some of the other guys that are going to be starting on opening day for their respective teams. Garrett Cole going to go for the Yankees, no surprise there. Corbin Burns going to go for the Brewers against Marcus Stroman and the Cubs. Shohei Otani getting the opening day start for the Angels. Surprise, surprise. Hunter Green going for the Reds. Zach Greinke, the former Astro, getting the opening day start for the Royals. And then the Rays will go with their left-hander in Shane McClanahan, while the Padres will go with Blake Snell. And then RP3's Atlanta Braves going with Max Freed on opening day. That's an interesting choice uh, for, for Atlanta. But... You know, staying on on the topic of the MLB, looking at the Astros, we talked about them a little bit yesterday with To the Moon. I was very surprised in the fact that Corey Lee did not make the opening day MLB roster. Um, Janir Diaz did, uh, which is really no surprise after the way he performed in spring training. The thing about Janir Diaz is he's listed on the roster as a catcher, but he can also play first base. He can DH. He can play in the outfield. So he's got a ton of versatility and can step up anytime guys are, are hurt or, or missing in a certain spot, um, whether it's first base or catcher or in the outfield. He's able to step up in that role uh, for the Astros, and that's going to help with Jose Altuve out the first two months of the season. Um, because obviously you've got Mauricio Dubon, you've got David Hensley. Those two guys could both play second base as well. But if you needed to move one of those guys, maybe a Jose Abreu over to second, you could always play Johnny or Diaz at first. Um, so very important to have that versatility there from a young rookie. And then looking at the outfield, Jordan Alvarez, Chaz McCormick, Jake Myers, and Kyle Tucker. And then your designated hitter when he gets healthy will more than likely be Uncle Mike in Michael Brantley. And then the pitching rotation, Valdez, Javier, Garcia, Urquidy, Hunter Brown. It's pretty solid. It's no Justin Verlander, but it's a pretty solid rotation. And then think about this. Once Lance McCullers comes back, how does that change the Astros pitching rotation. Probably going to see Hunter Brown move to a reliever and McCullers w- would take over that starting spot. But Or, or you could go Urquidy going into a, a reliever role. So the Astros have a ton of flexibility there under new GM Dana Brown. They will play the 
Chicago White Sox tomorrow night to open the 2023 regular season. Like we mentioned yesterday, you can hear that on our sister station, News Talk 98.5, with pregame beginning at 5.30 and first pitch set for 6.08. They will play the White Sox tomorrow for a four-game series tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before hosting a three-game series with the Tigers. So their first seven games of the season will be in the friendly confines of Minute Maid Park before they head up to Minnesota to play a three-game set with the Twins. Looking at our poll question of the day, which is up on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, it's our foodie poll question of the day. What is your favorite ballpark concession with opening day taking place tomorrow? Is it a hot dog, peanuts, nachos, popcorn? So far, 46% say hot dog, 30% say nachos, 20% say peanuts, and 5% say popcorn. Looking at some of the comments, Brad says nachos with jalapenos and barbecue and a barbecue burger and a cold doctor a cold Coca-Cola to drink. JK says hot dog with chili cheese and mustard. Scott says, used to be peanuts at the Teague, but they are no longer fresh. Robert says, if you're talking Cajuns games, don't get the nachos. They're gas station nachos. The hot dogs are decent, but it's always two bags of peanuts for me. One salty and one spicy. Darren says, sunflower seeds. You can't go wrong with sunflower seeds at a, at a baseball game. Braves fan says, cheeseburger and fries with an ice cold Coke. Mr. Green says, nachos are my go-to. Ralph says, love peanuts if they're fresh roasted, but hard to find those anymore. Plus, I'm a messy eater, and the guy sitting below me looks as if squirrels have been nesting in his shirt. So nachos with chili cheese and jalapenos for me. And then he, he, he makes a great Pelicans joke. Here on our poll question, he said, don't order concessions at a Pelicans game. You'll only get three quarters of what you were expecting. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's good. It's accurate. The Pelicans played great basketball for three quarters last night and then let them down in the fourth. But, you know, what what are you, what are you, what are you going to do? We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time, and when we return, Brendan Ertle will join us for Who Dat Wednesday. We're going to talk to Brian Edwards signing. We're going to break down the Saints offense, and should they stay at 29? Should they move up? We'll talk about that with Brendan next. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Who Dat Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Brendan Ertle joins us here for Who Dat Wednesday at 535 on your Wednesday. Brendan, happy Wednesday, sir. What's going on? Happy Wednesday. Just chilling. How about you guys? Oh, man. Ready for some opening day baseball tomorrow. Man, I mean, that's all you. <laughs> oh, Brendan Ertle's not a baseball fan? No, it's, it's still hockey season. We're, we're hitting the end of hockey season. i got to finish one sport before I go to another. You see, I, I'm I'm typically a big hockey guy, but my, my team's my team's not going to make the playoffs, so I'm kind of just at this point. Who's your team? Uh, Washington Capitals. Okay, respectable. Yeah, um, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna make the playoffs this year. So <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like, all right, you know, it's time to it's time to move on. But 
you know, uh, looking at the New Orleans Saints, you know, we've talked about Derek Carr. We've talked about Jamal Williams. Now we've got a new signing on the offensive side of the football, and it's a receiver that Derek Carr is pretty familiar with, with with Brian Edwards coming in on a on a one-year deal. What are your thoughts about the signing, and, and where do you think he fits in in New Orleans' offense? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the signing. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I didn't really understand the – the, the quick backlash by Saints fans saying that, you know, he only had 15 yards last year. And yeah, he did. He had 15 yards with the Atlanta Falcons that uh, ultimately ended up cutting him. And then he spent time with, or maybe they traded him. I don't even know. They, he got sent to uh, Kansas City, spent time on the practice squad. But you go back and look when he actually got playing time, um, it was with the Raiders. And it was when he was playing the exposition, which Michael Thomas plays a ton. And uh, he was very successful, nearly 600 yards, uh, multiple touchdowns. And he's kind of that big body receiver that uh, the Saints have been wanting. And he adds physicality, which there isn't much of. And I'm, I'm not against adding wide receivers to his wide receiver room. You know, Traquan Smith is, is still in the room, but the more receivers you add, the, the more he kind of slips down the depth chart. So I'm, I'm not really against that. And uh, there's, there's no reason to not add depth. Um, I remember the Odell conversation that, that when he was interested in coming here was, do we have enough room? And I think from what we saw last year is you always have room to add wide receivers. It's going to be one-year deal. It's a cheap deal. And it's kind of a little insurance policy for uh, Michael Thomas and uh, one of Derek Carr's uh, better friends. Now, you know, I'm starting to get into this system here, Brendan, where I'm, I'm doing the same thing I did last year. You know, you look at this team on paper and you're like, man, you know, Jameis Winston was going to have his untapped potential. Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas is healthy. We got a good young rookie in Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. You brought in Tyron Matthew on the defensive side, blah, blah, blah. We were going to be a 12-win team last year, and that didn't happen. And now here in 2023, I'm starting to do the same thing. You know, oh, you got Derek Carr, you got Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams. Michael Thomas is supposed to be healthy again. Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, Brian Edwards, you're probably going to draft another rookie with, you know, Jawan Johnson coming off of a great year. This could be an 11 12 win team again. I'm not going to be set up for failure, am I? Well, so here, here's, what, here's what I'll say first. In terms of quarterback availability, in terms of like quarterbacks being hurt, I don't think there's any conversation that the Saints and 49ers are the two teams that have been hit by that, you know, as hard as other teams have. Um, and when you lose your quarterback, no matter if it's Drew Brees or Jameis Winston, there's going to be a, there's going to be a hit. You know, that's that's kind of your guy. And uh, football's a, a unique sport because um, it's kind of like basketball. If, if you get a LeBron James on your team, you'll probably end up in the playoffs. I don't know about now, but um, you have a good quarterback to probably end up in the playoffs, and they just haven't had that since Drew. Now, I'm not there guaranteeing that it'll be an 11-12 win team, but they put themselves in the spot to do so. Now, you always have the games where it's like, oh, we should have won that game, we should have won that game. But the real X factors in that is going to be, you know, Trevor Penning's development. Um, can Michael Thomas stay healthy? Uh, uh, do we have a healthy secondary and an available secondary with Marcus May? and Lattimore, and who plays opposite of Lattimore. Those factors are really going to determine more than anything. But, yeah, it, it, is, it is an expectation that this team win, wins 10 games. And, it, and if it doesn't, then somebody's on the chopping block, and that would be Dennis Allen, um, would be the first 
personally point out just because he's at the top. But uh, I think they've done everything right so far. I still think they have some some pretty big needs to address. But I mean, I've seen I've seen what uh, websites have graded the Saints offseason. I just couldn't disagree more from uh, what they're saying. Yeah, they didn't right. get Lamar Jackson, but they got you know the next best thing. Now, so I, I love what you just said, and, and I want you to reiterate it again. If the Saints don't win ten games. Dennis Allen gets fired. I mean, it really, it really does depend. You know, if if we're going out there scoring twenty eight points a game and we're losing, yeah, Dennis Allen's probably on the chopping block. Uh, but if the defense uh, is carrying once again, I felt like at the end of last year, last year the the defense was really carrying the offense. Um, who knows? I mean, they they are so hard in stability and familiarity. Um, it really does depend how that season will play out. The expectation would be to win the South as it currently looks right now. There's, I don't see a quarterback anywhere that threatens the Saints. So if you don't win the division, that's, that's first a huge embarrassment. And if you're not a top four seed in the NFC, um, obviously you'd want to do something with that, but, uh, you want to win a wild card game and then you see what happens from there. I'm not going to say they weren't a Super Bowl, but, um, yeah, I would, I would say after last season, uh, and what D.A. kind of went through at the end, that he deserves a second chance, and this will be a big second chance. And um, I respect him because he's doing it his way. He, he got his coaches in the building. He's got his, got his quarterback. He got his, you know, uh, he's got everything he, he asked for and really wanted. And it felt like he was kind of inheriting a Sean Payton staff this uh, this past season. But this season's all him. So it's either going to work in his favor or he'll be, you know, somewhere else. Chatting with Brendan Ertle here on a Who Dat Wednesday. Now, I've got a take that James didn't really agree with. Um, I am of the belief that the Jamal Williams signing could very well be a top five signing that Mickey Loomis has had as GM of the New Orleans Saints. Do you agree? So, there's on, a lot on, of on, to on it. paper, at least. Um, yeah, uh, definitely. I would say it's, I would have to look at. Everything, but if you take everything in account from the player to the season he just had to the uh, knee at the position and then to the contract, I mean, the contract is just insane. Um, I think they found a perfect situation with him. Uh, the Lions obviously departed with him. They decided to sign David Montgomery um, and paid him more. And Jamal made it seem that not necessarily the Lions negotiations were disrespectful. Uh, in terms of money, but the way they handled it, um, and he really felt like he'd be back there, and they just didn't really have any interest doing so. And the Saints did it in 15 minutes. I mean, I don't think people really understand where 15 minutes to get a player that it's the first time they talk to him. 15 minutes later, he's on your team. I mean, that's pretty insane. And his cap hits like 1.6 mil this year. Uh, They had avoidable years, and it's a really cheap deal. It's kind of a deal that you go back and look at when we signed Mark Ingram to that, uh, I think it was a three, I think it was pretty much the exact same deal. Um, and that was a while ago. And Mark Ingram wasn't leading the league in rushing touchdowns. So I'd have to really look at it, but I definitely think it was one of his best. And, I mean, I'm really excited to get this, get this dude in the building. Now, you know, looking at the defensive side and looking at the, the draft more, more importantly, I'm starting to lean that 29 will be more of a 
edge rusher than an interior defensive tackle. Uh, what, what edge rushers in the draft do you like that you think would be there at 29, or do you think the Saints need to move up to get one? Uh, that, that, that's a good question because that's something that we've talked about a lot, and I think the idea of you know adding a wide receiver or tight end at that position has also been talked about. Um, but I, I agree with I agree with you. I, I think that has to be edge, um, w- which sucks. I would love to draft you know best available, and if someone slides, you know you take them. Um, but it really does depend. Defensive tackle wise, I think it's kind of top heavy. Um, if that kid from Pitt, Kalaje, can see if if he can fall to twenty nine, I know he's undersized, and they don't love undersized defensive linemen. But he he really does kind of look like Aaron Donald the way he plays. He's so short. Um, that would be someone I'd be interested in. But edge wise, I don't think that they're going to budge from. They don't want short defensive ends. They don't want just pass rushing defensive ends. They want length, and they want every single down defensive ends. And from what I can tell from the range of those players and kind of the buzz around those players, if I had to pick one right now, it would be B.J. Ojolari. Right now, I think he fits the mold the best at 29. What what, what are we going to do with the New Orleans Pelicans? <laughs> I That game last night was so frustrating. You know, you go on a three-game win streak, uh, you go into Golden State where they've been one of the best at home. I don't know why they're not very good on the road, but they're one of the best at home. They are, um, you know, the reigning champions. They are probably the best shooting team in the NBA year in and year out. And you go into half with, what, a 17-point lead, and then at some point you have a 20-point lead. And the second the third quarter tips off, it felt like they were down – uh already it was just like it's just inexperienced it felt inexperienced and it's frustrating um if they really want to get in if they if they want to try and potentially avoid the plan if they want to get a good spot in the plan you can't lose those games and that's something that's been happening all year long um been up and down and we've heard larry nance kind of talk about it and he says like yeah i'm not blaming the injuries but look at the injuries. Zion's missed time. B.A.'s missed time. C.J.'s missed time. Jose's missed time. Larry's missed time. Herb's missed time. You know what I mean? So it's been frustrating, um, but I, I don't know what they're doing over there, but they got to keep dudes healthy. And um, I heard Zion's being reevaluated next week. He's been doing on-court activities as well. So that's good. And if they can get him back, I mean, it doesn't really matter what seed they are. They've got to take care of business. you got to get a point guard. <laughs> you, you you have to get a point guard to where C.J. McCollum can go to his normal role as a true two guard. You know his friend um, uh, up in Oregon is uh, kind of iffy right now. You, you talking you talking about Dame? I'm talking about Dame. You you, you think the Pelicans could pull that off? <laughs> I don't know, man. But if if there was someone to do it, um, I, Shams w- was saying that. Uh, Blazers and uh, the Blazers and Dame are going to have conversations, real conversations this offseason to see if this is something they want. They want to continue doing, rebuilding this roster every year. So, you know, if those conversations go south, I I, I would be um, very sad if they didn't go aggressive at them. Look, let let's do this. James Mesh just gave me an excellent idea. Herb Jones, Najee Marshall, and draft picks. Heck, I would I would. 
I almost got a little aggressive there, but I think uh, with the future draft capital that I don't think anyone can really compete with the Pelicans. Um, it'd more be about potential of where he would want to go. And, you know, a team like Miami uh, or something like that would be hard to beat, but, you know, the Blazers are the one doing the deal. And I think the Pelicans have a ton of future assets. And if the, if the Blazers do want to go that route, they could kind of go – and be like OKC where they stockpile 10, 20 first-round picks the next five, six years, and the Pelicans, the Pelicans could help them out with that. Yeah, no. That would, uh, man, if, if it could become Dame time in New Orleans with, with Zion, CJ, and B.I., oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, point guard could be something that they could look into. They definitely need another scorer uh, or someone that can uh, hit a shot in the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, no kidding. I, I said that earlier. The, the The biggest issue with the Pelicans is that they lack somebody with a killer instinct. Mm-hmm. Well, the killer instinct is the one not playing right now. So, yeah, absolutely. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles joining us here on Crunch Time. Brendan, appreciate you as always. Um, enjoy that beautiful weather up in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Yes, sir. And there he goes, Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. We'll take a timeout, and we will wrap up this hump day edition of Crunch Time right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Take time to celebrate literature and its impact on Acadiana's culture with the 7th Annual Books Along the Tesh Festival this Friday through Sunday in New Iberia. There will be writing workshops, readers' theater, music, bus and boat tours, a 5K run, and plenty of food. It's the Books Along the Tesh Festival this weekend in New Iberia. For ticket information and more, visit booksalongthetesheliterayfestival.com. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Jamesy, got some NFL news for you. What are you... What are your thoughts about the veteran wide receiver Marvin Jones Jr. returning to the Detroit Lions on a on a one year deal? I don't think it's bad at all. I mean, with it being a one year deal, people were kind of wondering: Do you kind of depending on if a receiver falls in the draft, do you go get one in the first round at this point? You don't need to. You can go focus on other things. Go get another edge rusher like to help Aiden Hutchinson or go get another corner. Like Go help that defense because as efficient and as high-scoring as that Lions offense was, kind of improved it a little more here. You brought in a very familiar face in Marvin Jones where he spent first few years of his career. Now you can go help that defense because, boy, it was very suspect a lot of the time last year. And you know what else is going to be suspect? Your your fantasy draft performance tonight? Oh, dude, it's gonna be terrible. This is my so. In case you're wondering, this is going to be my first <laughs> fantasy baseball draft, and it's not even gonna be a head to head. It's gonna be a a, a roto where it's like kind of we all play against each other, and it's just like whoever gets the best stats overall 
wins it for the week. It's going to be really weird. I don't know. I felt like head-to-head would make sense for a lot of newbies. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a fan of Roto. Yeah, because half the league, this is going to be their first. This is going to be our first year. But we're going to do Roto instead watch, of just do a regular head-to-head. Watch your boy right here get the number one overall pick. Do I take Shohei Otani? Do I take Aaron Judge? What do I do? Just take Jordan. Oh, that's juicy. AL MVP this year. And it's it's and since it's Roto, us having seven people in the league, it doesn't necessarily matter. We're all gonna be stacked. There's only seven people in the league and we there's have forty seven slots to fill. Some of them are injuries. Uh, but mean, still. So Michael Brantley Jr. Right. I'll draft I'll draft Michael Brantley and he'll just jump on the IL. Yeah, you'll be good. Oh man. That's that's fantastic. I want to take this opportunity to thank Jim Gazzolo, Koki Riley, and Brendan Ertle for joining us today. Come back tomorrow. We got a great show lined up for you tomorrow. Jay Walker is going to join us for Cajun's Corner. We're going to talk Tennessee Volunteers with our guy Ryan Shumpert, and we'll even preview the App State Mountaineers with Alex Johnson of the Black and Gold Podcast. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them, and we're back tomorrow, 4 to 6, right here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Let's throw it over to Mr. Jim Gazzolo for the McNeese Coaches Show, right here on The Game.